Welcome to Beyond Bitcoin, a podcast about all things digital assets, the global communities they are creating, the generations that are using and investing in them, and the challenges faced by the nations that are seeking to regulate them. The content of this program is not to be taken as investment advice. The opinions expressed in the program by the host and the guests are their personal opinions only. Remember, feel free to subscribe and share with like-minded friends. My name is Derek Graham. I'm the CEO of Portal Asset Management, and my co-host is Nitin Gower, Managing Director of State Street Digital Assets. Good morning, good evening, good afternoon, wherever you are in the world, and welcome along to another episode of Beyond Bitcoin. My name is Derek Graham, and I'm here with my friend and colleague, of course, Nitin Gower. Hello, Nitin. How are you today? Hey, Derek. I'm going to do the Indian style hello. Namaste, and I hope you're well. And again, as we always have said, it's never a dull moment. It's never a dull moment. So looking forward to today's chat. You know, we are absolutely living in history right now. It's just such an exciting time. It's kind of a Goliath and David time, David and Goliath, because we're actually seeing the giants attack crypto. And it's, I always, three times now I've said this, but I'll say it again. Mahatma Gandhi's famous statement was, at first they ignore you, then they laugh at you, then they attack, and then you win. And it kind of reminds me, you know, on the 26th of September, 1983, I know this because I live in Western Australia, you know, the America's Cup was won by Australia too, for the first time in 126 years, I think it was. And it was an incredibly epic fight from start to finish. I mean, the new massive might of the New York Yacht Club was fighting this little Royal Perth Yacht Club here in Perth. It's cute and pretty. <laughs> and, and a small team beat them. They had a much faster boat. They had a very novel design and they did a good job of sailing it. But on the way there, the New York Yacht Club attacked them on legal rights. They changed their boats overnight when they weren't meant to. They did all sorts of things to maintain the status of this fast underdog, which ultimately won. And since it's won, the cup has been unmounted from the New York Yacht Club and sent all around the world and has created this fantastic innovation of high-speed racing boats. You see what happens when you can break down a Goliath. And so I just can't help but think we're seeing that a little bit now. I mean, really in short, we've seen, we've seen the US government essentially close three of the most innovative you know, banks in the nation, Silvergate, Signature and SVB for one reason or another, either close it or not support it. You know, the G7 nations now have called for stricter oversight of the currency markets, and there's quite a bit of information around that. SWIFT is trialling blockchain. The SEC is attacking Coinbase and Nitten. At the end of all of that, the CCI 30 is still up 36.5% year to date, and Bitcoin is up even more. So let's just break it down a little bit. Because the CCI yeah. 30, sorry, the, the G7 is seeking to establish a set of global standards. So, so the Financial Stability Board, headquartered in Switzerland, is now recommending that they're going to put a framework in that all of the central banking systems are world are operate and the International Monetary Fund is also outlined all the key elements for each country to consider the development of the comprehensive coordinated rules following this 
you know, the spread of crypto, which is the issue at hand. Among other guidelines, the IMF directors have generally agreed that crypto assets should not be granted official currency or legal tender <laughs> status. Like they are not allowed to compete in our ground. You know, as the banking system shows this extraordinary fragility at the moment, which has caused the run on Bitcoin, you know, many believe, new innovation into high speed, high efficiency payment rails and, you know, intermediary free banking solutions, which has spent 14 years in gestation, wins, failures, collapses and everything else to demonstrate a powerful wall of offerings. The G7 is making sure the old inefficient centralized banking system stays unthreatened and the centralized banks stay in firm control. Really Nitin, you can't blame them, can you? Because it's a big threat. But on the other hand, is it really a great thing for the world to have these age systems? Or is this simply going to be trying to stop crypto is going to be like trying to stop water when you pour it on the sand? Yeah, so I, I, I found the G7 and you've had even G20 and G7 because G20 has India presidency. So that was the conversation I had with some of the people I met in India in terms of where that's heading. And then I I read about this G7 thing that you that you shared today. And I, I think... I think what's more urgent is the existing financial system. We've seen a lot of challenges. Uh, again, banking failures, credit suites happened last weekend. And then prior to that, we have, again, the, the trio, the SVB, the Silvergate, and Signature Bank. I don't think any of these failures were as a result of the crypto failures, unlike what transpired towards the end of 2022. A lot of these banking failures, I think, were pretty much just bad risk management and not having the right risk management framework or adhering to you know, the right risk yes. management framework. And then, of course, this it, it had a combinatorial effect on the treasury and the interest rate effect of the valuation of these assets that we talked about this for the longest time, that the feds are trying to fight inflation. And there are sort of consequences that really caught between rock and a hard place. So I think combination of central bank policies, combination of inflationary elements, money supply, I think G7 has bigger issues than worrying about crypto at the moment. Crypto collectively is a little around a trillion, which is minuscule compared to the entire sort of, you know, some of the entire, you know, the economic value of all the systems. So, so I think from that perspective, uh, they should introspect to say, what is priority at the moment? Should we then look into the overall money supply inflation around the world, starting with the US dollar because of the prominence of US dollars as world reserve. So I find that comical. And I also find that suddenly now the entire ecosystem, not just the regulatory systems in the US, the regulatory you know, bodies in the US, but also these global financial bodies, FATF, IMF, World Bank, Global, sort of, you know, is, I I just don't know if their priorities are are misplaced at this point in time. I do agree with one thing, though. We do need a comprehensive regulatory framework around the world. And that that conversation has been happening for quite some time. But given where we are today, I think there's a little bit more sense of urgency around the monetary supply and, and debasement risks with many currencies around the world. And that is super interesting from that perspective, I think. Well, I've got to say that I can't see any reason why the IMF, the G7, the G20, the Federal Reserve, these major organizations, can't they chew gum and walk at the same time? Can't they actually operate the international monetary system and really consider the debasement of their currencies and the fragility of their banking system and 
decide how they're going to be able to cope with a young technology that's rapidly growing. I mean, you're right. It's a trillion dollar capitalization. I mean, by example, Swift is looking at introducing a blockchain into their system. Well, at last. So to give you an idea, Swift's got 11,000 banks and yeah. that 11,000 banks has $5 trillion <clears throat> of transfers a day. So five times the total capitalization of the entire crypto ecosystem every single day at transfers. But that is just payments though. That's, That's just payments, payments though. The Correct. global value is 470 trillion or so, which is exponentially high. The entire sum total of all the economic value of all the bankable asset. This is yes. the asset that can be valued is about 470. All SIF does processing is off those payments that the movement of money, so to speak. It's exactly. And you know, it. I love it because it says, you know, the Society of Worldwide Interbank Financial Telecommunications. Anyone would think that they suggest that SWIFT stands for transferring things fast. <laughs> I, I heard you say that before. But it's interesting, Derek, because two things on this slide. SWIFT, by definition, is a technology company, right? They are a mm. critical, what they call as a market utility and, and financial infrastructure. And I've worked with SWIFT my IBM days, where we're mm. looking into revolutionizing because, you know, crypto had the biggest threat to say, if this becomes the new rails then why do we need, need Swift? And there's been mm. a lot of messaging and rhetoric. And I was the first one at the time to say, hey, Swift has the perfect capability to be able to implode, which means that they already are processing transactions. They already have a network of 11,000 plus banks, as mm. you mentioned. Can they not adopt blockchain and provide a avenue for processing digital assets and messaging? Because right now it's a messaging system per se. And in that context, believe it or not, Derek, towards my last few years at IBM, before I left IBM, I was working on IBM Worldwire which was exactly that. It was a payment system that could do two things, that could deal with what is a sort of a harmonization of, of payment messaging standards called ISO 20022 and token. So imagine a system that can coexist in the old world of sending messages for different type of you know, transactions, whether it's trade finance or whether it's security settlement or simple payments mm -hmm. versus sending stable coins and in future CBDCs. We build a singular network that could handle both. And... I think the recent news that you look into is Swift attempt making another attempt using blockchain to do something or corporate actions. And these are things in terms of things like mergers and acquisitions and stock splits and capturing the votes. And these are like corporate actions that they mm -hmm. can watch the impact of that on. But what's interesting of all this stuff is they have never implemented anything yet. And these are all proof of concepts. These are all designs yes. that they're debating and, and and equaling on that front. But one thing I'll tell you, which I think I, in this entire debacle of SEC, as you mentioned, serving Coinbase with Wealth Notice, which is essentially a warning of what is to come and giving chance for the entity to prepare for itself. Something Brian Armstrong, the CEO and founder of Coinbase said is that they're getting it all wrong. And I completely agree with it, that in all the time I've spent in technology, working with financial institutions, working with the regulators as a technologist, you know, when I was at IBM, we were trying to educate them to look at technology potential. And instead of focusing on instruments, which is the result of technology, they're completely missing the point. And I just hope they don't throw the baby with the bathwater, where not taking advantage of what technology has to offer. Of and Brian Armstrong, he tweeted to say that they're completely missing the point that it should be more about what technology can do to modernize the financial infrastructure as opposed to fighting these sort of the cryptocurrency battle per se. They should look into saying, we are amenable, let's fix this. Because if we have a more, a better system, that should win. 
And if the existing system can be made better, you already have a network effect built in. We all go to bank, we all use credit cards, we all use fiat. And if you can make that better, then there's no need to look for alternatives. If you get, if you get my point. I totally agree. And that's, that's why I started this preamble with my little story about you know, the Australia 2 winning the America's Cup. Yeah. Because it's faster, more efficient, and the team happened to be better, or even equivalent. But ultimately, when the America's Cup was won, the rules grew, that the game changed. Now you're seeing high, high speed advanced composite hydrofoils flying around at, at 40 and 50 knots. And that 40 Amazing. and 50 knots is extraordinary Amazing. new technology. Well, that happened because it broke the system to begin with. And with the breaking yeah. of the system to begin with, extraordinary opportunities occurred. Right now, which is fascinating with this David and Goliath battle, is that, is that I think David's lining up this little rock, but Goliath is looking at it going, oh no, if this thing hits me, it's not gonna be good for us all. It needs to change. And so you say it's only a trillion dollars of capitalization, but I think Goliath sees the rock coming at it and it sees it as a 100% threat. It doesn't see it as an opportunity, yeah. which is a real pity because you've got extraordinary, you've got 14 years of things that have gone right and things that have gone terribly wrong. You've got 14 years of failures and success and fraud and, and growth that have been happening in a natural marketplace that the government can actually leverage on. But I think it's yeah. a little bit more but concerned about you know, the BRICS nations, Brazil, Russia, India, China, South Africa, Iran, yeah. you know, these are threats to it. And it's threats to its international, international monetary policy, the US dollar stability, versus them turning around going, wait a sec, what if we were to really leverage this technology? Anyway, that's, that's my thought on it. Yeah, and you know, I'm, I'm, I'm looking at two things, Derek, two, and of course, you know, I'm, I'm with the regulators when it comes to prosecuting fraud. So this week, a few things yes. have happened. Dirk Juan was arrested in Montenegro. I think that's a great thing that people who have not only maligned the name of you know in the industry and have not helped sort of our face with the regulators in you know FTX and Dirk Juan and you know three AC and all these guys yeah. fraudulent entities. And now today, CFTC is charging CZ, the CEO and founder of Binance, and some of the other operating of Binance platform under the Commodity Exchange Act and CFTC you know regulations. And to a certain extent, if they have committed fraud and it's yet to be determined, some of them are obviously committed fraud like FTX and and, and the Quan, for instance, they should be brought to justice. So I'm with them in terms of the facts. So my only beef is two things. One is, and you've said this many times in this podcast, Derek, is we are still applying, you know, the code that was designed, you know, almost about 100 years back, 90 years ago. And we're still measuring this new technology, new instruments, new industry with that same lens. Yes. And so the question is either we make a concerted effort and Europe has done that with MICA, UK is bringing new regulations around it, Dubai has VARA. So many of the jurisdictions around the world have some clarity to say, hey, this is a rule book and go and abide by these rules. And as long as you do all these things right, whether it's prudential treatment of asset, fiduciary responsibilities, disclosures, whatever the case may be, provide the guidance. And the, the, the challenge with some of the regulation and, uh, and enforcement actions that I've seen is you neither have a clarity on this, yes. which the industry has asked over and over again, 
And many of the industries, you know, with instance of Coinbase, is a public company, which means they've gotten approvals from SEC to go public. And to get that approval, they need to describe the business model. They need to describe what they're into it, and mm. they've gotten they've gotten sort of approvals to IPO and eventually become a public company. So it's not like they didn't know what was going on. The question is clarity on that front. But I'm I'm watching two things closely because that can really change our industry. One is the Coinbase and SEC battle, and that may take two years or more because it's just well noticed stage at the moment. Mm. But I'm also watching the grayscale fiasco that's unfolding, which is the spot ETF with SEC. And the reason I'm finding these two interesting is because these two can decide the fate, whether it's the next administration or the next sort of regulator or college of regulators that may change administrations and you have a new blood. But these things will set the stage, which may force the action. And between the three, you know, body of governance that we have in the United States system, now we are focusing on judiciary not the executive branch, not the the uh, the legislative branch, because they haven't really provided any you know any any guidance. It's the judiciary is to say how are these cases adjudicated in court of law, and we've seen some positive sign from that perspective. So I'm I'm closely watching those things. If that makes mm. sense, mm, very much so. Look, there's no question that regulation needs to be in here. I, you know, I've regularly said I'm not a libertarian. It's logical that regulation needs to be here. But it's all about intent. Is the regulation good intent or is it not good intent? And if it's good intent with the intention of protecting, you know, the, the consumers and investors and participants in these utility tokens and solutions, then, then we've got an extraordinary future going ahead. If the regulation's intention is just to shut it down and stop it, which if you, if you read President Biden's presidential executive order of March 2022, last year, you saw a, a set of requests really to halt, not to encourage. And that's what we're hoping to see turn around. But what's interesting also is that people are voting with their investment wallet to a degree, Nitin. I mean, we're seeing, by example, of course, the CCI 30 standing strong during this period of time. We're seeing Bitcoin rise because it's a banking crisis, which is why it was given birth to begin with. And we're also seeing Kathy Wood, bless her, buying $12.6 million of Coinbase shares last Friday yeah. because, because she's decided to buy back into Coinbase because she thinks right. the price is way too low. What a smart cookie she is. But also that suggests that she thinks that somehow or other Coinbase is going to benefit from, from this process or survive it. And that's what I want to get a sense for. Where are we heading with it all? I mean, it is a washing machine of activity and vested interests. I've got a feeling the consumer is not the major consideration. But if you look at this washing machine of vested interests occurring, do you think in two years time, you know, there's a reasonable chance that a set of regulations will appear, enable utility tokens to operate, cryptocurrencies to operate on certain payment gate rails that can be observed, certain levels of transparency occurring on on some of these blockchains to enable governments to to get some control or some view of tax and transactions on the on the way through and the growth of what's unquestionably going to be a, a connection between web 3.0 artificial intelligence etc these these applications aren't going to be transacting on banking systems they're going to be transacting utilizing crypto so do you think that's going to grow through? Do you think it's going to take us two or three years? And 
and and are we going to have a brighter future at the end of it, Nitin? What are your thoughts? Yeah, so I, so I think, great question. I've been thinking about this like at some point, like let's take an example of TikTok. Mm. TikTok, and it's embarrassing the questions that you get. And we thought that after Facebook sort of testimony, which was such an embarrassing show of lack of understanding by the, yes. by our you know, lawmakers. Yes. And I'm looking at this almost a decade later mm. when TikTok and it's become worse. Many of these lawmakers simply neither to have time nor are eloquent enough to pose a question with basic yes. lack of understanding of technology. Yes. And at the same time, we have a constitution and most countries too, exception of Israel, which I learned this week, which is an interesting story in its own right. Yes, it is, it is. But, but, but the thing is that a lot of, it is incredibly hard to sort of control technology in its purest form. What I mean by that is that while there's an entire rhetoric in terms of, you know, geopolitical elements play into TikTok and TikTok's ban, and I'm not a huge fan of social media, as you know, but I think it's not as easy for them to just simply ban because there are elements of free speech. Code was an element of free speech. And we've gone through this before with cryptography that uh, if you remember the old case of PGP and some of the so Supreme Court use case where they said, hey, code is free speech. I can write the code. I can make it available. And people were wearing T-shirts with the code, with open source code, which was supposed to be under export control to say, hey, this is free speech. And that's sanctimonious. So the thing is, it's incredibly difficult for them to sort of restrict youth of technology. What I mean by that is, while the focus today is the security and security instruments and CFTC and commodities and, and the infrastructure that governs women and, 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 the, and the financial activities, which still represents the DeFi and some of the activities that are easily monitored from a centralized financial institution perspective, which are exchanges and, and, and these platforms. But you still have a lion's share of decentralized exchanges, lion's share of DeFi protocols, gaming, NFTs. Some of these are moving at a much rapid pace. Mm. So today, as I mentioned, Ticketmaster went live with mm. NFT as a gating feature. Coindesk introduced one of the NFT sort of models for sort of a perpetual access to their conferences in future years, and which is you know one of the biggest conferences in the world. So you have all these things that are emerging, which I think collectively will be much bigger in magnitude and value on the long run. And what I don't know is how will these Congress men in Congress and 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 the regulators will keep you know will be able to 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 harness these things. I think that eventually they'll have no choice but to have a guidance around this, which will make it which will make it much more meaningful for them to control this as opposed to applying the same old regulation. Yes. Well I think you're right. We've seen it many times before. Again the Australia 2 example, it wasn't so much that it just finally beat the system, but then the system started changing afterwards and enabled this extraordinary growth of a sport that's now, you know, really the Formula One of sailing. And, and that is because sooner or later you push hard enough, the system breaks and it resettles itself. I think that's the natural way of being. And that's what I think we're going to see here. We're going to see the system be controlled as much as possible. And I think primarily because the US is concerned of its reserve currency status and it's concerned about its banking infrastructure status. 
So it sees this little stone, this rock possibly coming from David and it wants to stop it. If it actually gets to a point where it realizes it's not stopping it because all the other nations of the world are using it and, and, and really leveraging their technology with you know, Web 3.0 and artificial intelligence engaged, engaged in high-speed payment gateways and, and, <clears throat> and smart contract-driven solutions, they're going to be left behind. And that's when you'll see ultimately you know, the high speed advanced composite sailing boats appearing and the Formula One sport appearing. In other words, the economy booming forward. That's what I'm hoping. I'm, a, I'm an optimist. You know that. I've always been an optimist. I believe <laughs> yeah. that this, this yeah. will sort You've of seen that. Yeah. You know, I, I just think it's, this is a fascinating time of history. We all should be watching it with amazement. In particular in America, you know, hopefully participating in it, maybe writing to your local senator and saying, do you realize what opportunity exists here? Anyway, I'm not going to be a movement specialist here, but you know what I mean? Participate, learn, you know, fortune favors the informed, as we always say. Yeah, but this, this, I always go back to innovation, Derek, and exactly all the examples you gave, whether it's high-speed sailing or, you know, last time I think we spoke, you talk about your, the carbon composite aircraft, which had mm. some regulation and you, you actually, you know, you were in the process where the system had to change. There were a few things happened today, right? I mean, besides MicroStrategy buying more Bitcoin and and Kathy Woods buying more coin, Polygon released its ZK EVM on yes. on Alchemy. Now, Alchemy is an infrastructure company. They, to me, they, I, I see Alchemy as something like Amazon of the future, where it's a cloud company, but for crypto or for the crypto compute needs, only because the existing cloud infrastructure simply don't have the economic models or the compute infrastructure to deal with the compute requirements of crypto assets. And Polygon introduced ZK EVM, which was basically combined security and composability of EVM and with performance and it's lower cost, it's scalable, making things cheaper and faster. Mm. So that's like basic infrastructure element. At ETH Denver, they introduced something called account abstraction, which is simplifying the ability for people to hold their wallets and not have to worry about losing the keys and losing the assets. Uh, which is addressing the usability component, which has always been lacking in this space. But suddenly I'm looking at this from a different lens to say, barring all that's happening in the regulatory side of the house, innovation is moving fast enough to ensure that the infrastructure is cheap, is fast, is accessible by all. You have usability elements being addressed. And if this really takes shape, there's no going back because it's still technology it's still accessible as elements of whether it's free speech or actually having access to network. And I think at that point, all your examples, whether it's sailing or flying, the system would have to keep up with it. The system would have to change only because the technology has moved forward. The masses have adopted to it. They may have no choice but to go ahead with it, I think. I think that's a that's perfect my way thinking. of ending this 30-minute 30, 30 chat. And the reason <laughs> why is because it should evolve. This is just part of the evolution and as it does we're going to see amazing things now the reason we've raised this topic a few times in the last three talks is because this is history in the making right now it's both exciting and frightening but that's what happens when you're involved in a young industry and young technology it breaks barriers and it, it upsets people 
or systems and processes is doing its job now. So look, for those that are listening to us, if you've got any suggestions and ideas you want us to, to discuss and talk about or have an opinion, agreed, disagreed, we're fine with either, please send in a note to us. You can find us, you just simply put us an IM or a note somewhere on the way. All of that's connectable through the various outputs we do. And please share this with like-minded people because we're always delighted to be yeah. engaged with community. Thank you again for your insight to this community and your, your thoughts on this sector that you've been involved with for so long. Thank you, Derek. And again, same request from the audience. Give us a five star, give us a like, give us feedback so we can improve because this is again to keep the audience informed. So until next time, Derek, take care of yourself. You too. See you, Nid. We hope you enjoyed our weekly conversation. If you have any questions, 